Good morning, everybody. This is Rashad Gibson, your host of Gospel Thoughts, with episode number 31. And today, I want to talk about many different things that interconnect, that are related, that in my estimation, it's very vital to our society, to our country, to us as individuals. And if we don't recover these things soon, it's, I think our nation's going to turn into, a, turn into a powder keg. And I mean that. You know, this past um, day or so, there was a, a video circulating around social media. Um, young man or maybe an older gentleman, his name was George Lloyd, I believe it was, the black man that was apprehended by police and the police officer that apprehended him, and this is in Minneapolis, was kneeling on his neck, seemingly cutting off his airway because the man that was George Lloyd that was on the ground being apprehended, he was saying he couldn't breathe. And it appeared that this police officer was intentionally um, causing this man to pretty much suffocate. And while you're watching the video, it was about, the video I saw was about 10 minutes long, and the man passed out. He was out cold. And you know, there's people standing there and they're, you know, trying to tell the police officers to stop using this type of excessive force. And eventually the paramedics come and Mr. Lloyd looked absolutely lifeless. He, he was passed out. He looked dead. And as is, as the report later explained that he did die at the hospital. Um, and I can only assume, assume it was because of this excessive force that was being used by the police officer. Of course, if you don't have the autopsy report as of yet, but I think it's, it, it's probably pretty obvious it was the cause of death is probably, I'm no coroner, but the cause of death is probably due to the excessive force by the police officer. So, when I first observed this video, I said, here we go again. But not in the sense of how you think I'm saying that. When I say that, this is what I say. This is what I mean, rather. A nation without God, law without order, and lawlessness that leads to death. That's what I mean. I don't get on the the racial spin about this thing. I don't. It's easy to perceive that, and it's easy to run with that, because 
That's what always happens. It always turns into that. It always it always goes in that direction, usually. That here it is, a white police officer killing a black man. And we've seen time and time again this happening on the news. We've seen this over and over again over the last several years. And that picture has been painted with very sinister motives by our news media. And many people have bought into it. But this the reality is is not it is this is not a hunt of black men as many will state. This is not a hunt on, on black men. And the reason why I point that out is because again, you can you can look up the uh, the statistics there's actually doubled the amount of white men who are shot and police shot by police unarmed. It's more actually more white folks than black folks that get shot down by the police. So it's, this is not a, a hunt on black men. All you see is black men being killed by police. That's what you, that's what we're being, that's what's being placed in our living rooms. But you're intentionally not seeing the other side. I mean, again, when it comes to these police officers that, let me just come back to this. When it comes to these police officers that committed this crime, my hope is that justice will be carried out against them. They need to go to jail, period. They need to be in the jail, what what happened in that from what I saw in that video there there's no justification for it at all. There isn't. There's no way in the world you can justify what they did. Even if the man was resisting arrest and we didn't see that part, well at least I didn't see that part. Because the part I saw was when him on the ground, he was subdued, he wasn't going anywhere. At that point in time he's already handcuffed. I can't see why they couldn't put him in a car. Maybe he was resisting that. But I'm I'm not, I'm no police officer, but I'm I feel as though saying that I'm sure there's other ways you can control the subject without killing them. I think what we saw yesterday was very bad policing. Very bad training being applied or you know, maybe the police officer was frustrated. Either way you cut it, it's a crime because that wasn't called for. However, the thing that's going to undergird all this is now the racial pushback and the rhetoric because now there's going to be tons of pundits pontificating the whole race, race narrative. About how, again, black men are being hunted. I mean, not just the pundits, but pastors, leaders, community leaders. That's going to be the talking point for the next couple of weeks or so, or maybe a week. It, it adds more fuel to the fire, if you will. And that is another problem.
give me a shave a shot. What you don't believe in the fact that it's black men being hunted? No, I do not. I don't. Because I read, I observe, and I critically think about what is being told to me, or at least attempted to be floated to me. And when I know that there are many, many, many white men who have suffered the same fate from police officers, then I know it's not just solely black men being hunted. It's not just white men being hunted. This is an issue that does not really have a racial element, I believe, to it. Now, yes, one could say, are there racist police officers? Yes, there are. Sure there are. Without question, they're human beings. And this goes back to my next point. They're human beings. Let's just break this down for a minute. This is why, this is the problem with our with this nation. We ignore this. Police officers are not robots. They're human beings. They have moral capacity with a, with a badge or without it. They are capable of doing evil. Very capable because they're human beings. They have a fallen nature. Let's get theological about this. Let's get spiritual about this. Which our nation and, my, and many of Americans and people in general want to avoid. We have a sinful nature. And when you empower somebody with a badge, with a gun, with weapons, that has a sinful nature, and you live in a society climate in which morality, ethics, God is pushed to the rear, guess what you're going to have? Guess what's going to happen? You create an atmosphere of lawlessness even when the people who are supposed to be upholding the law, because within them, this element is at work. What does Paul say? The mystery of lawlessness. Now, that does not mean that they're not Christian believers as police officers. I'm sure there are. But there's a good portion of police officers when it comes to a, a, a moral code, a moral foundation, there really isn't one. Because our society has been baptized in this idea that we are self-sufficient, that we are quote-unquote secular. But then we'll cry and moan when we have these all these horror events happen and we want to protest in the streets which to a degree could be helpful but it's not going to get the results you want but let me just let me just circle back around to something I thought about last night because again this thing is going to be spun out of control 
and it'll turn into a white black thing, black white thing, a black thing versus police officer thing. That's how it's going to be spun. I mean, and I get more annoyed at that. But the reason why is this, you know, I thought about this and I said, and I spoke about this a couple of podcasts ago about the, the omission of truth. Omission. When we omit truth, we're leaving out pertinent facts about, you know, whatever event <clears throat> that you're referring to. This is not nothing. This is, this is not a new strategy or tactic. This goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Do you remember how the serpent tempted Eve? Remember he said, if you eat from the tree of good and evil, you will be like God. You will know good and evil. And Eve retorted back, she said, no, God said that we will die if we were to eat from the tree and good and evil. We could eat, eat, eat from any other tree but that tree. And what did the serpent say? He said, you surely won't die, but you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And you see, the serpent told Eve a half-truth. You see? When Eve ate that fruit, or rather when Adam ate, they did not die. They did not drop dead on the spot. You know how I knew, you know how I know Satan knew that wasn't going to happen? Because it didn't happen to him. Satan was kicked out of heaven. He was spiritually dead to God. Absolutely. Something happened to him. But he didn't die right there. He didn't die right there on the spot. And he was probably banking on the fact that God would not do that to the human race. That Adam and Eve would not drop dead right there on the spot. That God was going to have mercy because Satan or Lucifer knew God for who knows how long in eternity. He knew his nature. He's merciful. He said, no, surely you won't die. See, he, he, he told them a half-truth. But the half-truth, what he left out was, no, you're going to be spiritually dead. And not only are you going to know good and evil, you're going to, be, you're going to become it. In other words, you know how we talk about Jesus how he knew not sin. And we call Jesus the first Adam because Adam knew not sin before he ate of the fruit. There was an innocence about Adam and Eve. They were pure, they were holy, they were totally innocent. But then when they ate that, that fruit, they knew evil and they knew good but that knowing was now had a actual practical effect on their soul and they became sinful beings satan didn't tell them he did not tell them that was going to happen 
He left that part out. He cleverly, craftedly left that part out about how this is going to affect you from now and your and your descendants. How it's going to affect the entire race. He didn't tell them about that. No, he didn't tell them that. He didn't tell them that now you're going to be separated from God forever. In a way that you like, you don't even you can't even even think of. He left that part out. He intentionally omitted that truth. And what I find to be interesting today is what I'm observing is how our news media does the exact same thing, especially when it comes to the race issue. They won't tell you about, I mean, again, and I mentioned this before, they won't tell you about the numbers of white men have been shot unarmed by the police. They won't tell you that. They cleverly, craftily omit that from news reporting. How many times have you saw a video circulating on on social media with a white man being brutalized by the police? We make it, I mean, if, if you really believe, think about this for a moment. If you really believe that does not happen in the United States of America, then you, you, you have been so propagandized. You've been so manipulated to think only black people are the ones being brutalized by the police. Ask yourself the question, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Like I said, I, I posted an article a little while ago about white men. This is back in two, 2016, 2017. I have a couple articles. I have a couple books about this, about all the other events that's happened, whites versus blacks and police officers towards whites. I have a bunch of material resources about this type of stuff. The problem is you just don't hear about it in the news. It's, it doesn't make, it definitely doesn't make national news. It may make local news at times, but then it, it, it gets, you know, Censored nationally. I know a couple of years ago, there was a, I think it was in Kansas City, and it was a a carnival, or it was a day in which it was uh, a day for a carnival or, or whatever, and was talking about, talking about beat up Whitey or something like that. And what was happening is in Kansas, I think it was Kansas City, there was a, a, a bunch of um, a black folks going around beating up white people. This is back in think 2010, I think it was. But you don't hear it. You, you probably never heard about that. Because it doesn't go reported. You have to go searching for these things. You got to read books and research articles. It's there. You just got to go, you have to go searching for it. And at, at times, it's very hard to even find this stuff because, especially nowadays with Google, I mean, the algorithm, the algorithms are so manipulated they make it hard for you to find this information because they really want to paint this picture that black folks are the only ones being brutalized. Nevertheless, in saying all that and going back to what I was saying, the omission of truth is one of the most, it it is a satanic, satanic tactic, a satanic strategy that we see in the garden that's being applied today. I, I do wonder 
if we had the same amount of stories circling about black folks being brutalized by the police, and we saw the same amount of stories with white folks being brutalized by, by the police, I wonder how that would shape public opinion about race. Maybe it wouldn't be so lopsided. Maybe there would be people who say, man, like, yo, not only are we being brutalized, but also white folks are being brutalized. But how how about what what if what if we also saw all the positive contributions by the good police officers? What if what if we saw a balance of okay, this is happening to black folks, this is happening to white folks, but also we have this element of look at these look at what these good police officers are doing. Look at how they're helping out the community. Look at how they're going out their way. How, what, if, what if we air those type of stories on a frequent basis? So we have, you know, some, some equality of truth. You know, it's so funny to me. We, in this nation, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the, the level of satanic manipulation is, it is so apparent. This nation will tout the phrase equality but we'll tell it in the wrong things. You usually hear the term equality, especially when it comes to the homosexual issue, LGBT rights and things like that, and trying to make, they try to make equal heterosexuality and homosexuality. They're not equal. It's not. Heterosexuality is normal. Heterosexuality, heteros, I mean, I'm sorry, homosexuality is unnatural. One is natural, one is unnatural. You say, oh, oh sorry, you're being bigoted. No, I'm not. That's what, that's what the Bible says, Romans 1. One is natural, one is unnatural. Our media, our society has convinced many of you that they're both equal. And in some cases... Depending on what you read, it was the NBC news blog. This is probably about a year ago, in which Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus was talking about how heterosexuality is wrong, and how homosexuality is better. It's really off stuff, but nevertheless, we attempt to 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 throw these terms out there, it's all about equality. And then we even have, you know, I mean, like the NBA had last year, equality night, to, to, to try to convince me that heterosexuality and homosexuality is equal. It's not, it will never be equal. One is, one is moral, one is immoral. And the whole point I'm trying to say is, if we're really going to tell equality, why won't we be equal about everything? How about, how about we air the equal amount of, of white men being unarmed and being brutalized by the police or white folks being brutalized by black folks instead of always seeing black folks being brutalized by white folks? And how about we also see all the different positive interracial relations with white folks helping black folks, black folks helping white folks? police officers being beneficial to the, to the communities. Why don't we see that? We don't. 
And we, and if you depend on the quote unquote news media, the quote unquote, I mean, the the, the bastion of truth, and I, I'm being sarcastic, then your opinion is going to be shaped by what they pre- present, which is nothing more than a serpentine perspective. I'm going to give you half truth while leaving out all this other stuff like the serpent, like Satan, like this is what he does, my friends. Do you see? You know, and this is, this is, this brings me back to my final point. Let me read to you a couple of quotes. This one quote is from John Adams. John Adams was, the, you probably never heard of him, but he was actually the second president of the United States. This is what he says. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. And you can, you can um, change or you can switch out that term religious with Christian people. That's what he was referring to. But anyway, he says it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That was John Adams. In other words, he's saying our constitution, our way of life. This is coming from the second president of the United States, right? to George Washington. That the way this nation was founded and created, it was created for a moral and religious people or Christian people, people that have Christian values, Christian virtue. Christian ethics, and not just the the principles, the morals, the ethics, and the values and the virtue, isolated from Christ, but it was all supposed to be one. That this was supposed to be the influence within our culture, because they understood again. They understood if you leave man to their own vices, guess what's going to happen? Chaos. In fact, let me read to you. Another quote from Benjamin Rush, who was a another founding father. He signed the Declaration of Independence. He was also a medical doctor. And he also started many different Bible societies. And he said this, this back in 1791. He said, in contemplating the political institutions of the United States, if we remove the Bible from schools... I lament that we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. End quote. What Benjamin Rush was was speaking of, saying, hey, if you remove Christ, if you remove the Bible, if you remove the very foundation of our spirituality from schools, we're going to spend a bunch of time, a bunch of money on trying punishing crimes without trying to prevent them from by having the scriptures as center stage, as being the central influence. And I'll read to you one last quote by 
George Washington, which may surprise some of you, but he thought the same way. This is actually during his farewell speech. And he said this, of all the dispositions and habits which, which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable or inseparable supports. Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle, end quote. And that was actually taken from his farewell speech. So in saying all that, where does all that, where does that bring us back to? It brings us back to this. I wrote on my page yesterday, I said, this nation, this nation needs repentance. In fact, I, I thought about it this morning. I said, we need enough courageous and bold leaders, whether they're in political office, and I mean this, don't tell me nothing about, do not come to me about separation between church and state. We can really get into that, the ways have been applied. Totally wrong. But I'm going to say this. We need political leaders, Christian church leaders, pastors, that will openly say, Listen, we need to declare a national day of repentance. You may say, what about people that don't believe in Jesus? I don't care. I don't care. I mean that. You know why, you know why I mean that? I'm not saying, again, if someone's a Muslim, someone's a Buddhist, if someone's a, a Hindu, they have every right to worship their, their gods, Whatever. But this nation was founded on a Christian principle, the United States of America. I don't care how they try to spin it today or try to revise history. This nation was founded on the principle of Christianity, period. I can back that up. And we know not only the fact that the founding fathers founded this nation on that principle, on this principle, but we know if you're truly a believer, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, if you're truly born again, then you know that Jesus Christ is the only true God. And we need enough courageous and bold leaders that will say, we need to declare a national day of repentance. You're talking about a national state of emergency. Forget that. You can declare it all day long. Nothing changes. We need to repent as a nation. That is a national state of emergency. Look around, my friends. Look around. Look around. Look at what's going on in our nation. Like I said, protesting, fine, wonderful. We have the right to protest. Peacefully assemble. 
petition. Wonderful. We can do all those things. But at the core of it all, it goes back to what John Adams said. It goes back to what George Washington said. It goes back to what Benjamin, Benjamin uh, Rush said. If we are we going to complain, moan, and cry about all the in, injustice, immorality, all the issues going on, and we do not want to get down to the core and say, we need to repent as a nation. That needs to be pushed. That narrative needs to be pushed. Don't talk to me about you want change. You don't want to repent. What are we repenting of? Essentially lawlessness, promoting it, living it, entertaining it. That's what we're turning from. Repentance is turning from, is turning from whatever sin it is and going in the opposite direction, saying, you know what? I don't want to walk in this lawless way anymore. I want to go the right direction in Christ. Some say repentance is a change of mind. The whole, the, at the very root of, of repentance is, say, I'm acknowledging my sin, I'm, a, I'm confessing this sin, and I'm turning from it. I don't want nothing to do with it. That's what needs to happen in this nation. And if it doesn't happen, it, it's lights out, it's over. I don't care how many protests you have, it's a wrap. And if you, and, and I'll say this too, and if you are one, and I mean this, I mean this with everything in me. If you are one that's going, that's going to get on that circuit of race, it's all about race, black people this and black people that, you're part of the problem. If you think, if you really believe that, oh man, it's, it, you know, we're being hunted down and we're being killed and this, that, and the third, and yada, 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 you're part of the problem. You are, you... Lay down the Kool-Aid. It's not just a black thing. This is a national thing. This is a national problem. I'm not even I'm not even going there with the black on black crime. That's one issue. But again, that's only that's a part of the issue. Because on the reality, why do white folks kill each other too? Proportionally, blacks kill more more blacks than now white folks kill each other. But the whole bottom is, who cares? The issue is, we're killing each other. Why can't we see that? And that points to a, 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 a far grander issue. Why do we lead the world in abortions? Why is that even... Even an option. You can go on and on. We can go on and on about the the the, the immor- level of immorality, the the murder, the violence, the drug use, the suicide rate, the drug trafficking, the human trafficking. Again, my friends, this nation needs to repent. As, as much as people say, I don't want nothing to do with God, okay, then, then keep on doing what you're doing and end up going to hell. It's, it's a, I'm just going to be blunt. I'm going to be blunt with this. I need to be blunt. It's a crazy thing, and I, and I thought about this this morning, how we can be so resistant towards God 
And then you look around your life, you look around society, you look around the world, this nation, if you will, and you say, look how far this has gotten us. Look at my life. Look at what's going on. And you say, well, religion's not going to solve anything. No, religion won't. But the Spirit of God coming within somebody, restraining the... Let me, let me break this down to you. True regeneration, true being born again, true repentance does this. When someone repents of their sin and they say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ and Jesus sends the Spirit of God to come and live within us. What happens is we enter into a covenant with God. It's called the New Covenant. That New Covenant was spoken about in the Old Testament. What happens then is, as Jesus said, you become what? Born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Paul says you become a new creature. So essentially what that means, when you read about the New Covenant in the book of Jeremiah, we now have a restraint against sin, an added restraint, because now the Spirit of God will make you more sensitive to the sin in your life. So, as Jeremiah said in, in, the, in the Old Testament, speaking of the New Covenant, that you won't need someone to tell you, don't do this or don't do that, because he'll be inside of us in a way that you'll be more, you essentially, you will have the fear of God accentuated within your soul. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because you still have a sinful nature, but it's an added level of protection, if you will, against yourself and against others, to harm others. And the beautiful thing about it is you can grow in it. You grow in that perspective. You grow in that righteousness, if you will. You grow in that grace. Essentially, we need the gospel being preached. We need truth being spoken. We need repentance to be a public lifestyle. We need repentance to be the narrative. That's what needs to happen. That's why I get frustrated with the whole spin of, of race stuff. It's that's that's another that is just another satanic strategy to divide us. That's what it is. It is. It's one thing to say say for instance in, in, in the, the case of Mr. Lloyd. It's one thing to say, okay, those men need to be put in jail, right? Those police officers need to be put in jail. Without question. It's another thing to say, I'm going to extrapolate what those police officers did to Mr. Lloyd, and I'm going to apply it to the whole entire white race. Now, you're a part of the problem. Or I'm going to apply it to every police officer. Now you're part of the problem if you're black doing that. That's like that's like a white person saying, let's just be real. There are a lot of black gangbangers, a lot of black gangsters, a lot of black drug dealers. That's like saying, 
these black gangsters or these black drug dealers or whatever, every black person is like that. So therefore, my perspective, my my views are going to be shaped by them. And I'm going to apply it to every single black person. That's what white, that's when black folks would say these people are racist. So don't do it to them. That's the problem. It takes discipline to do that, right? You got to be disciplined. Say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to give into that narrative. It's, you are a very weak individual. And I mean this. A lot of people may get upset with this. You're a very weak individual if you always give into that narrative. And you're actually fomenting the problem. You're making it worse. Let's look at it as these cases are, these are cases that they need to be dealt with individual. But when we begin to apply this logic to a whole race of people, I mean, you've already thrown to the trap. You, you've already, you're already bitten the cheese. But it takes discipline and strength to say, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow my mind to go there. I'm not going to allow my emotions to go there. Especially when we know it's happening on both sides. All right, guys. Um, I'm just going to stop here. Man, it was about 40 minutes long. didn't intend to go this long, but guys, we need to repent. We need to repent. All of us. Because we're all part of the problem. Whether we are the police officer putting their putting our knee on the neck of a unarmed black man, or we're the pontificator using our racist ideas to put our neck on a whole population of people. Suffocating them with racial bigotry on one side or the other. Chew on that for a little bit. All right, guys, let's repent together. Let's unite in repentance. Tell your pastors to declare repentance. Tell your your politicians to declare repentance. You declare repentance in your own life. That's the answer. All right, guys, have a blessed day, and I'll be talking to you soon. God bless.